morning. Okay, so uh, today. That's at the wall. Today's parsha is the portion of Kedoshim, but it's also. Um, we'll talk something about the parsha, but today is also the uh, second day of the month of Iyar. Yesterday was Rosh Chodesh, today is the second day. The second day of Iyar is the birthday of the fourth Chabad Rebbe, mm-hmm. known as the Rebbe Maharash. Name is Shmuel, or Rebbe Shmuel. Um, he was the son of the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, whose name was Menachem Mendel, known under the name of his Svarim, some of his Svarim, they called it Tzemach Tzedek. So the Rebbe Maharash, the fourth Rebbe, was the son of Menachem Mendel, the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Rebbe. The third Rebbe had seven sons. The Rebbe Maharash was his youngest. The youngest of his seven sons. The interesting thing is that the youngest son became the Rebbe after his father's passing, the Chabad Rebbe. All the sons were great Sadiqim and great leaders, and uh, most of them. Yeah, so why didn't they make it? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not exactly familiar, but my guess is uh, a lot of the Student, a lot of the children of the Tzemach Tzedek married into other families whose, um, who were also Rebbe's by themselves. So some of his sons left to live with the other side of the family, and maybe they became, uh, you know, Rebbe's in other courts. I mean, some of it we know. Uh, maybe because he was the most fitting, whatever. I mean, I'm sure this is what God destined, but. He was in the city of Lubavitch when he passed away. He became the fourth Rebbe. And um, he lived a very short life, actually. He only lived for 50 years. Uh, he lived the shortest of all the Rebbes. He lived the 50 years. Also, before he became Rebbe, uh, by the passing of his uh, father, he was a little bit in, in business. He did other things also, and it, it looks like that um, from all the Rebbe's, he was actually very wealthy. He also lived, he was a wealthy, uh, a wealthy Rebbe, and he, um, generally speaking, his, um, his leadership was considered, uh, used to call it like a Balshemsker, Baal Shem, right? We have like the, about Rabbi Yisroel Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidus. You have like very uh, the miracles there were astounding. They were like not just miracles. It was just like uh, totally out of nature. It was uh, all the various different stories about the uh, about the Baal Shem Tov. So the Rebbe Marash also his leadership was also uh, full with you know, amazing and uh, wondrous uh, stories and tradition. Um, and one of the uh, sayings that everybody knows about the Rebbe Maharash was, uh, he always said uh, that the world says, in other words, the common uh, idea is that 
you know, when you come against an obstacle, you know, something is in your way. There's a, you're stuck, you know. So what do you do when you're, you can't move ahead because there's something lying in your way? So his common wisdom is the world says, okay, listen, if something in your way, maybe try to uh, squeeze underneath. If you can't get through, maybe if you can squeeze underneath. Uh, and they say, well, if you can't go underneath, then go over. But I say, says the Ramarash, no, no, don't even try to go on. Just go lechatchila river, which means the Yiddish word is lechatchila river. Just go over the top, you know, go out of the box. Don't even, don't even try. Which means, if a person, if we should say, let's say we have a negative occurrence, you know, something happens, you know. So somebody would say, okay, maybe slow down a little bit, don't do, you know, don't be so visible, don't, you know, and that doesn't work, then do otherwise. Uh, if you have a setback in your own in your own life, you have a setback, you know, you, you made certain goals or you have certain aspirations and then somehow you feel that you're blocked, you can't go, so you say, okay, you know what, I'll lower my expectations and I'll do a little less, maybe I'll be successful. And if you can't even do that, then okay, you know what? Let me just go over at the top. But he says, no, don't don't even think about going less. Just take it, go with the full force, and you'll be successful. That was his. Everything was done in a wide, in a in a big, in a uh, um, you know. Remember, also the Rebbe used to push a lot. The Rebbe used to say, tell his his chassidim, that they shouldn't, you know, be happy with small things, you know, they should, you know, think big, you know, think big, think wide, mm. may widen your expectations, and, you know, you, and you'll do it, you know, make bigger goals for yourself, you know, make it, and just, wow. just go for it. I mean, that's basically what the Rebbe Marash's message was. So today is his birthday, and... Um, uh, there's a lot of different uh, stories about the Rebbe Marash so, and uh, how uh, so one story was about uh, I read that it was once one of his chassidim, it's a long story but he was uh, a very special chassid also a very wealthy chassid who would always you know, come to the Rebbe and would always bring uh, gifts to the Rebbe but, and they would have a very good life, everything but and they were wealthy and uh, successful and uh, learned and uh, scholarly, everything they had, basically everything. But they had the problem they, they didn't have some of the children that they had did not last. You know, they didn't. So they, they were left without children. They died young for, for various different reasons, and they didn't have any real children that um, you know to raise until later on. And they went to the Rebbe, and when they did, they asked the Rebbe uh, for a bracha. His wife insisted that this time he didn't want to bother the Rebbe, but his wife insisted, you know, you bring the Rebbe all these gifts and all these good things, ask a bracha, ask for a blessing, the Rebbe should give you a blessing. So, he didn't have chutzpah, you know, to ask for personal things, but he says, I have a mission my wife sent me to the Rebbe to ask that we should have a... uh, a child that lasts, you know, the, the, the child. So, Rebbe, you know, says, Rebbe says, give him a, a blessing, a promise, basically, that he's going to have a child. Uh, 
But the Rebbe told him, you should name the child after father. You know, name the name of the father. And the Rebbe left it ambiguous. And he wasn't sure after he left. You know, when he left, he wasn't sure. He was all excited that the Rebbe gave him a promise. He said, I'm a child that he didn't, he couldn't remember. The Rebbe said, after my father, which would be Menachem Mendel, or the Rebbe meant his father, which is Shoal. His name was Shoal. His father's discussed his father. Name was Shoal. So who did the Rebbe mean when he said father? Did he mean? Uh, but it was a mystery to him. And you know, sure enough, he comes home. His wife says to him that she's expecting it, and they were like beside themselves. They were so happy and everything else. And then at the end, it turns out that she had twins. Ah. <laughs> so she gave one name. She gave Menachem Mendel. And the other name was named Shoals. She had. Okay. So the Rebbe said, the Rebbe left it ambiguous. He said the father because there was actually twins. They were both of them. And he says that, you know, they actually didn't call them by the name. One was called the Rebbe, you know, because it was named after the father of the Rebbe. Oh, wow. uh, and the other one was called Zaydi, you know, because oh. it was named after his father. So. What's <laughs> the, the Rebbe's name? What like is the Rebbe's name? Shmuel. And the short one, the Tzamach Tzedek used to give them, as soon as they were born, he would make an abbreviation of their names. So he called them the Maharash, that means the Rorenu Rav Reb Shmuel. It's Shmuel. So, Baruch Hashem, when our uh, last son was born, we had a name for all the Rebbes. It was one name that we were short, so we named him Shmuel. That's our baby, his name Shmuel, that was the only name. We didn't have Yosef Yitzchak, we have Levi Yitzchak, so we don't have Yosef, but uh, so, in any event... Is there a picture of the fourth Rebbe? So that's the thing, there is really no, we don't have pictures of the Rebbe. We have the Rebbe Rashab, and we have don't have a picture of the Rebbe Marash. We only have uh, a picture yeah, of the Yeah, why is that, since you have the Alter Rebbe? Alter Rebbe is not a picture, that's a drawing. Oh, a drawing. It's oh, a drawing. Oh, so there is, uh, yeah. So, so there are pictures hard. of him, yeah. I mean drawings of him. Yeah, no, that we don't, don't even know of a drawing. Yeah, that, that's, no, we don't even know of a drawing. Well, that's strange because he could have afforded to exactly. hire somebody yeah. to do his exactly. portrait. He was not old, sure exactly what the reason. Maybe that's he wasn't to, good yeah. to look at. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So, so wait, um, so no, yeah. I, I, seven I, I, yeah, rebbe. I never think of it that way. That it was, but I think for whatever reason. Yeah, no, no because the seven rebbe's had to be our rebbe. Okay, but I thought they were all lined up, and you could actually see pictures of them. No. He was the only one you couldn't have. Two, there is uh, five, and the uh, also the uh, the Mittler Rebbe. Oh, also okay. we don't have. Okay, is he the fourth? A fifth? What the second? Oh, we don't the have second. the second, and we don't have uh, okay. the fourth. Okay. We have the first, the third, wow. the fifth, and of course the previous Rebbe, the Rebbe. So we have. To, we don't have the wow. uh, two Rebbe's we don't have pictures of. Um, so anyway, so that's that's base year. That's the second day of the year. Just another thing is, and this morning in the Hayom Yom, the Rebbe brings down. That's the daily lessons. Uh, the grad, the father, the Tzamach Tzedek. By the way, his older brother, the Rebbe Maharash, his name was Baruch Shalom, and he is the great grandfather of the Rebbe of our Rebbe. So oh. the Rebbe, he was the he, the Rebbe is also a direct son, a son to the Tzamach Tzedek, oh. uh, even though he's a son-in-law of the Rebbe, uh, the previous Rebbe, 
but he's also his brother was Baruch Shalom. That's right. the Rebbe's uh, ancestor. The Rebbe comes from that. Uh, he was were, the only one that wasn't the Rebbe, actually, from the sons of the... They were the, both Schneerson. So oh, Schneerson. They were both Schneerson. That's right. But exactly. was that also different... Mar- I mean, but it had to have been related, even beyond that. Sorry, not the Schneerson, because they're all sons of the Tzamat Tzedek. Tzamat Tzedek. He was the name? middle Rebbe. It was Schneerson. Oh, the okay, okay. The third, uh, the, yeah, the third Rebbe was Rebbe Schneerson. Ah. Uh, the first one was uh, called Schneeuri, the family. The, 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 uh, no, the, the alter Rebbe was called Baruchov. The Mittler Rebbe was called Schneeuri, and the Tzemach Tzedek was called Schneerson. Wow. Yeah. And um, so wow. they used to go in for, uh, you know, to be tested by their father. And uh, one time the Rebbe Marash, again, he was younger, he was born at the, uh, when the Tzemach Tzedek was older already. And um, there's something sometimes we say, bring out the concept that... Uh, when a child is born, when the parents is older, he has an advantage because their parents were already in a higher madrigus. So That's right. Because when the parents were older, so there was a, there's something to that also. So when he was uh, coming from, I guess, from Cheder or from learning, the, so one time did Samach Tzedek, his father, was testing him, and he did outstanding. He was like, uh, answered everything. And this, mm. the teacher was so excited, so uh, he said he couldn't resist it. He said to his father, the Samachsev, the Rebbe, he says, No, what do you say? He does well. You know, basically, he was saying that my son does well, you know. And the Rebbe said to him, What is this, such an excitement? Well, he's Tiferis, Shabbi Tiferis. Today's day is his beauty of beauty. That's the Sefira, Bezir. So, is it such a big deal that Tiferis, Shabbi Tiferis does well? You know, that's, yeah. oh, that's basically that's to be expected, yeah. That's the expectation. So there's no uh, no uh, excitement over there. That's that's. Um, and you know what? Today was just a beautiful day too. Exactly. Uh, tiferet but tiferet. It was yeah. such <laughs> a beautiful little, day. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, but the first one hopefully in the a long first, time. Hopefully the first one of many. Yeah. <laughs> I just appreciate that we had one beautiful yeah. day. <laughs> I'm thankful. Yeah. Grateful. Good. For yeah. Good point. So we're talking a little bit about the parsha. In the Sikha that the Rebbe gives in volume 7 for the portion of Kedoshim. And um, in this parsha, we have the number 3, 4, and 5. You know, always like to uh, find, you know, correspondence to 3, 4, and 5. Uh, so we know, uh, for example, that in the uh, negative side, uh, which is known as clippos. Clippos are clippos means the Husk. shell, because the fruit is the good part. Then you have the peel. The peel is sort of a cover, covers around. It hides, it blocks it. So uh, when we talk about negativity, we call them clippos. In the Kabbalah, we call them clippos. We call them the peels, the shells. They're, you know, they're there to cover. They hide. They don't allow for the fruit to be visible, they provide a cover for them in, in various different levels. But the bottom line, they're called clippers. When we read in the uh, prophecy of Yechezkel, in Ezekiel, we read over there, and that's before Pesach, you know, when you burn the chametz, there's like a passage over there that you read when you're burning the chametz, and we, we pray for Hashem burning away all the clippers, all the uh, negativities uh, that disturb and block and don't allow for the revelation of Hashem, whether it's in the world, it's in ourselves, 
everything that disturbs us, we're praying to Hashem to get rid of them. So, in that verse, uh, it talks about three levels of clippus, of negativity, which are considered to be very serious negative uh, clippus. Uh, and those are enumerated over there in the various description in the Pasuk, three of them. That is known in the Kabbalah as Gimel, Klippus, Hatmeis, Legamri, which means the three negative, which are totally impure. And then there is a fourth one. The fourth one is called Klippas Noiga. Klippas Noiga means that's a peel, that's a negativity that has some lightness. In other words, it has some redeeming qualities. And then, of course, on the other hand, you have Kedusha, you have holiness, you have things that are uh, holy. So, you have the number three, and you have the number four, and then you have everything else which is beyond this, this three and four. What do we read about a mitzvah in this week's parsha? We read, Hashem says, when you come to the land of Israel, which, by the way, that's a halachic, and the Gemara, and the and the the Medrashim and the Mechilta, there is, uh, there is various opinions about whether this law applies outside of Eretz Yisrael or only in Eretz Yisrael. <laughs> What's the different one is a question. But it talks about when you plant a tree. And this specifically applies to a tree that, a bear, that bears fruit, a fruit-bearing tree. When you plant a tree... The Torah says that the first three years you may not use the fruit from the day you plant it. It doesn't go by growing. It goes from the planting, the day you plant. When you plant the tree, matter of fact, it goes, if you plant the tree uh, like 45 days before Rosh Hashanah, that's considered to be like a year. Uh, a year. The 45, that's the planting. Because the year goes by the calendar year. The year begins with Rosh Hashanah. So if you, it takes, it takes like two weeks for a seed or a, a grafting or a, to sort of go into the ground, that's two weeks. Then it takes another 30 days to be in the ground of that year. That's considered like that year already. So it would be that year and it would be the next year and then the third year. And also to Tu Bishvat, because everything of the Tu Bishvat is considered in the previous year. So that would be the, the smallest the amount, the birth of the tree. So 45 so, days before Tu Bishvat. No, 45 days before Rosh Tishrei. And then you have to wait till Tu Bishvat before you can eat the fruit. Because oh, every, I see. But as it comes out of Tu Bishvat, is considered still from the previous year. Oh, okay. So it's so three if years. You, if you consider those 45 days, that's one year. One year, then a second then year, year, and then a third year. But you can't eat yet until until two bishvat in the fourth year. Okay, so it's like the fourth year. It's like you can't consider the two bishvat of the third. No, no, no. It has to, it has to be, be three years. It has to be three full years. Because the two up to two bishvat is still considered the fruits of the last year because mm. it's ready now, but it's still grown in that. Well, you think but, you sort of cheated a year by yeah, by doing exactly, you make exactly up by six months any time. Oh, yeah. yeah, but that would be yeah. true even if you had a full year the first year. You still oh. anything up to oh, two Mishmat is considered after considered the previous oh, okay. year. Oh, I never knew that. But in any event, so the the um, 
So the Torah says that for the first three years, you cannot use the fruit. But there's something unique about this uh, about this uh, prohibition. A lot of times, most of the time, when the Torah prohibits you to eat something, with exceptions, the Torah allows you, however, to uh, benefit. So, like, if it's something is not kosher. So you can't eat it, but let's say you want to feed your uh, your dogs, you want to feed, feed the meat that's not kosher, you want to feed it, go ahead. You're benefiting from the non-kosher, you're not eating it, but you're benefiting, that's okay. But over here the Torah says for three years, arelim, arelim means you should be totally, you're not allowed to be, you're not allowed to benefit from it. It's like Chometz and Pesach, for example. You can't, not only aren't you allowed to eat chametz, but you can't benefit from the chametz. You're not allowed to make money on the chametz. You can't sell it. You can't do anything with it. You have to totally destroy it. So the, 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 the three years the Torah told you is uh, totally prohibited to benefit. The Al-Tarebi explains that why. But like everything else that is prohibited, because it comes from the three negative, that's why it's three years to corresponding to the three klipos hatmeas lagamri, to the three totally impure. Which means Hashem's energy, Hashem energizes everything in this world, but some of the energy that Hashem energizes this world goes through uh, channels which are negative. In this case, it would be the three Gimel Klippas Atmeis, the three impure Klippas. So the energy of Hashem goes through there, and that is becomes the energy of the first three years of that tree that grows that first three years. That's why you can't eat it. The Al-Tarebi explains in the Tanya that um, things that come from that fourth level of klippa, the fourth uh, that has light in it, are things that are almost like you would say parif. They're almost there, like in the middle. So that if you utilize them, and basically those are things that are kosher, those are things that are permissible. If you utilize them for the right way, so you're gonna use, you're gonna use it to uh, be healthy, you're going to use it to study, you're going to use it to pray, you're going to use it to live a healthy life, to do good things, then what you're doing is you're taking it from the energy that it gets from that fourth level, that it went through that fourth level of Klippa, and you're elevating it, you're making it holy, because you're using it for the right things. Everything in the world that we use as long as we use it for a good purpose, for a positive purpose, for something useful, we are actually taking the energy that we receive because when we eat something, we get energy from it. And since we use that energy to do something good, to connect to God, say, so we're actually taking it out from the domain of this fourth level of Klippa, and we're actually elevating it to Hashem because we are connecting to Hashem through our energy, and we get our energy from that uh, uh, 
item which is permissible, which is okay. So you can elevate it. But what happens, let's say I get energy from something which is not kosher. So I got something, I got a lot of energy. And then I go on daven and I learn. So I'm using that energy. Can't elevate that. That Altaremi explains, this is the meaning of the word Isur is, means really tied down. It's, they don't allow the clippus, the, the energy that it got, doesn't allow for it to be elevated. It's something which is tied and connected and bound. And it's not, that's the difference between the word Isur. Isur in Hebrew means prohibition. Heter means permissible. But really it means tied down or untied. So clippus noiga is untied. You can elevate. When the Torah says three years, you can't even benefit from this. That means that the energy of the first three years comes from these three clippers at maize. Mm-hmm. Whether, I, it doesn't say this, but whether each year is one level of clipper or all three years the same, I mean, that's another discussion. But that's the three levels. Then you have the fourth level. That is the level of Klippa Snoga. What happens with the fruit, with the tree? Let me just tell you what the verse says. What happens with the tree? After three years that you're not allowed to use it at all, what happens in the fourth year? The fourth year, the Torah tells you that the fruit is now holy, becomes holy, and you praise Hashem with the fruit. What does that mean? You take the fourth year's fruit, and you either take them and bring them to Yerushalayim and you can only eat them in the city of Yerushalayim over there, you eat them over there the fourth year or if you have a lot of fruit on the fourth year you can't bring up all the fruit to Yerushalayim so you take that fruit and you sell them and you take the money that you got in exchange for the fruit Mm -hmm. and you take that money to Yerushalayim and in Yerushalayim you buy fruit for that money, fruit or food, any uh, so you have to buy food and you eat it in your July. Basically, you are bringing this to uh, Yerushalayim for the fourth for the fourth year. So now, which means what you're doing is you're elevating and you're taking that uh, fruit and you're bringing it, making it holy. That's like we're doing with the saying from the fourth level the, the, that you can already Elevate, you're elevating it to your shalai. What happens in the fifth year? So the Torah says. The Torah says, Hashem promises you. Hashem gives you a promise. And as Rashi explains, uh, that on the fourth year, on the fifth year, Hashem will give you an abundance and will give you fruit on the tree in an abundance a lot more than it would have grown without the observation, without the observing of the mitzvahs. Hashem says, because you listened to my mitzvahs and you refrained three years from eating the fruit or benefiting the fruit, and you refrained, and the fourth year you went and you took the fruit, you brought it to your shalai, you had a loss. No, Hashem promises you and says that you are in the merit of doing my mitzvahs and following the laws that I am going to give you a lot more 
in the fifth year. That's what the Torah says. Now, it almost seems like what the Torah is basically saying to you, the reason I am prohibiting to you those four years is not... Rabbi Lezer, one of the rabbis says, and the Rashi brings down, he says, person is going to say, I worked hard the first year, I worked hard yeah. the second year, I worked hard the third year, I worked hard the fourth year. So a person's Yetzirah is going to say to him, why are you doing all this work? You're doing all this work and you got nothing in return. I'm not getting anything out of it. I'm working hard. Hashem says, you worked hard for you. In the end, you know, you're going to see the benefit. So, basically, you can also apply this to person's life. A person sometimes works very hard, whether it's to achieve and he says, you know, you can't you can't make it right away. You can't right away be succeed, succeed and be successful. But eventually that will lead you to a great deal of success and you will be able to benefit from it. Uh, so the, the, the question really over here is, I mean, what Rebbe asks over here is, so if the fifth year and on are higher level, is in a greater level than the fourth year, and of course than the third year, because the third year is Klip, as we say, the fourth year is Noga, and the fifth year, so how come there is no requirement uh to um, to go to bring it to to Yerushalayim. Seems like bringing the fruit to Yerushalayim to elevate it is a higher madrega. Um, actually, the name, the letter, the four letters of God's name, Yud K Vav K, they all are also the letter. We have the letter four. There's four letters: Yud K Vav K. In the world of the spiritual level of the world, we also have four spiritual uh, spiritual worlds. We have Atzilus, Briya, Yitzira, Asiya. This world, and the world of formation, the world of creation, and the world of Atzilus, of separation. And those are different, those are levels as they descend from the spirituality of Hashem. First the level of Atzilus, then the level of Briya, then the level of Yitzira, and then the level of Asiya. So these basically correspond to the four letters of uh, of, of the name of Hashem. The lower three levels, because they're already separated from Hashem, they can allow, from there, there can be a, uh, a connection to the three Klippas Timaeus. So the three impure, they don't get from the highest level. Atzilus is beyond them. That light is too high for them. So that's why the three correspond basically to the three. The Alter Rebbe says that the, uh, the Kedusha side, there's, there, there's also a connection between the Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. Uh, uh, from there, there can be the Sholosh Klips at Meis. From Atzilus, that is the fourth letter. That's the fourth year is connected to Atzilus. And in the letters of Hashem, Yud, K, Vav, K, Yud is Atzilus, K is Bria, Vav is Yitzira, the last K is Asiya. And the letter Yud has a point on the top. That points to the level of Keser. That points to the level of Keter, which is beyond Atzilus 2. That's the fifth level. But the point what the Rebbe is asking over here, uh, how come that 
the uh, fifth letter, the, 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 the fifth year, doesn't have any holiness in this. The fourth year has holiness, you have to bring it to Yerushalayim, you have to eat it in a special way. Why is, is something which is on a higher level, uh, which is the fifth year, why does it not have that requirement in Yerushalayim? Rebbe is going to bring out a very uh, powerful lesson over here to explain to us that, listen, the goal is to bring Hashem down in the very mundane, in the very, very simple level. We don't need to bring Hashem down only in the highest level. We have to bring Hashem down in the, uh, not in, only in holiness. You know, people, a lot of times people think that, you know, when I'm in shul, I'm in a holy place, over there I got to be righteous. But what about my regular day-to-day activities over there? You know, that's not so important. You know, but the, the point is here that, on the contrary, Hashem wants to be seen. He wants to be seen in everyday things, whatever we do. It's very easy. It's very easy to find God in spirituality. Uh, I guess the challenge is to find Hashem not on, not in spirituality, but to find Hashem also in the uh, in the very simple things. The Rebbe relates a story. About the Balshemtov, we talked about before the Rebbe Maharaj being like the Balshemtov. The Rebbe tells the story of the Balshemtov uh, that uh, he quotes here from the, uh, the mimer of the previous Rebbe. So it says like this: It says the Holy Balshemtov. So before he was revealed for many years, Balshemtov was a hidden. He didn't want it. Actually, refused to be revealed. He was forced from Hashem to be revealed. So when he was a hidden. And he was travel from city to city and from village to village. And what the, the holy Baal Shem Tov had, uh, this uh, holy uh, service of Hashem, that every, who would always ask everyone, men, women, older people, younger people, he always asked you, how do you feel? How's your health? He'd ask them, how's your livelihood? Are you, are you doing okay? Now, they would respond. People would say, "Very." He was so happy to hear when they answered him. Uh, the people, the Jewish people, the men, the women, they would say to him, "Children, answer." Uh, always praising Hashem. Somebody would say, "Baruch Hashem," thank Hashem. Somebody would say, "Gilot Hashem Yisbarach," may Hashem be praised. So you ask them how they're doing. They would always say, very, very well. So one time it happened that the Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tov, came in a certain settlement, and the Rebbe did his usual thing, with his usually holy way, in the service of Hashem, and he was always giving people the privilege, uh, men, women, and children, the great privilege to praise the name, holy name of Hashem. So in that particular settlement, there was a Jew who was very old, and he was also a great Talmud Chacham, he was a great scholar, and he was somebody who was called a Porush, which means he separated himself from all worldly matters. He had nothing to do anything with the world. It's already been 50 years that he studies the Holy Torah, separated with holiness without any, that's all that he does. All these years, he sits and he fasts, 
he sits in his talus and his tefillin till late mincha and after mairiv he tastes a piece of bread with water that's, that's the life that he lived so when the Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tov, entered to this genius in that special room, which was a separated room that he was using to study and to stay, that was in a sort of in a corner of the shul. So the Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tov, asked by this genius, how is his health? He asked him this, his usual question, he said, how's your health? He asked him, do you have what you need? Are, you, are your needs met? Are you okay? But he didn't answer <laughs> the Rebbe. So the genius, so he basically, the Balsemtiv was dressed in like a very simple village person. Didn't look like any Rebbe or anything else. So he didn't even pay attention to him. He, he sort of ignored him. So the Rebbe asked several times the question by this great genius until he got angry and he showed the Rebbe with his finger to the door that he should leave so the Rebbe, the Basemta says to this genius Rebbe, why don't you give Hashem, so to speak why don't you give him his sustenance, give Hashem his livelihood Etc. He kept on telling you, why don't you, why don't you support Hashem? Now, this genius heard these words. He became famished. He came mixed up. A Jew who is a, dressed like a village person speaks about Hashem, about God, that you have to give Hashem his sustenance. That I'm supposed to give. What's yeah. going on here? So the Rebbe of Hashem recognized the thoughts of the genius. And he told him like this, we Jews, we are sustained by what Hashem gives us. Hashem gives us our parnasa, what we need, we get from God. God gives us. But what, is, what sustains Hashem? What sustains Hashem? So he says, David, King David, David HaMelech in the Tehillim, he says like this, he says, V'atok Kodesh, you, the Holy One, which means Hashem. You, Holy One. What is your sustenance? He says, Yoshev Tehilis Yisrael. You sit, you're sustained by the praises of the Yidden. Which means that Hashem is sitting on the praises that when a Jew praises Hashem, blessed be He, for their health, for their parnasah, for their livelihood that He, blessed, gives them. And because we praise Hashem, with those yin, we praise Hashem, Hashem in return gives us children, life, and our sustenance in a wide way. That's the story that he brings down over there. Of course, that chassid, that Porush became eventually a chassid of the Baal Shem Tov, the of the Baal Shem Tov. But the Rebbe says, but it's surprising. This whole story. Let it be true uh, that in order to accomplish that Hashem should be Yoshev, Hashem to sort of sit down. What does sitting down means? 
to bring down. When a person is up and he sits down, he lowers himself. So when we're trying to lower Hashem's bracha, that it should come down from up there, Hashem to sit to give us his blessing. So uh, we have to uh, serve him and say to Hashem, praises, Tehillah Yisrael. But why can't this not be accomplished through the study of Torah? Why do we have to tell Hashem, Baruch Hashem, for, for the livelihood? Even if you have to thank Hashem, specifically praising Him for, not learning Torah isn't enough, but you got to praise Hashem. So, the Basham could have told this genius to praise Hashem for giving him the opportunity to study Torah all his life in such a holy way, in holiness, in his separation. Why was he asking him only about his physical sustenance? Why was he asking him specifically about health and, 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 and Parnas, how things are going for him? Should have thank Hashem for whatever you have, for the, for the great privilege you have to be a Tam Chacham, that you can sit and study Torah. Rebbe explains. The explanation is that the ultimate intent of the creation is for Hashem to be visible in the lower parts of the world. As the language is, God wants to be found. He wants you to feel Him, not in the spiritual level, He wants you to feel Him in the low levels. That means that in the lower matters, people should be able to utilize them and make a dwelling place, allow Hashem into the lower parts, lower needs of your life. Uh, Mainly that comes when we work with the lower matters, not so much through the study of the Torah or thanking Hashem for studying the Torah, because Torah study is mainly part of your spiritual, of your soul. That's the upper part in yourself. Uh, That's the godly soul. But when we praise Hashem for our very simple thing, for health, for our sustenance, those are matters which belong to the body. They're not soul. Those are physical matters. That means that you recognize, you sense that even your physical needs also come from Hashem. And you praise Hashem for your physical needs. That's the way to make Hashem a dwelling place, even in the lower matters. And that's why when the Baal Shem Tov saw how this genius was sitting in his separated room over there, and he was separated from all worldly matters, and he had nothing, no connection with his body, with his animal soul, with his part in the world, with the taktoin, with the lower parts, because he only ate was just for what he needed for his bare minimum for his existence. But he never paid attention to sort out and clean up his body and his portion in this world, Nefshamamis. So he told him, why don't you give Hashem his sustenance? Why don't you allow, why don't you give Hashem, so what Hashem wants to have a dwelling place in the lower parts, that's where Hashem gains in sustenance. And that's why the Baal Shem Tov says that Hashem sits, He dwells through the praises that didn't praise Him for health, for parnasa, 
that he shares, that Hashem gives them. And this is how the Rebbe explains how the ultimate goal of all this is not the fourth year, which is holy fruit, they're eating, they have to eat them in Yerushalayim, but the main thing is in the fifth year, in which you can eat everywhere, you can eat it while you're not pure, and the very, very simple things. When a Jew knows that even those fruits, ordinary fruits, that are not holy, and he recognizes that that is Hashem's blessings, everything that he has Hashem's blessings. In other words, that you can see with your eyes that because you did a mitzvah, Hashem gave you more. You have, you get more sustenance because you are doing what Hashem wants. You can actually see Hashem's bracha and then you're praising Hashem for that bracha. So then, that praising Hashem, that becomes Tehillah Yisrael. That's the praising of the Yidden. They bring about, they cause Ba'ato Kodesh Ba'ato, meaning the Ba'ato, which represents the greatest level of Hashem, Atzmus, who is Kodesh, who is so separate that he too should go down and become a Diribetachtonim in the lower world. And that gives us a little bit of an understanding to appreciate something of the very simple things in life. And the very, uh, not the only the lofty or the great, but just the very simple things to make that connection to Hashem in the very simple things. Yeah, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, is it through davening? Is it through saying a bracha on the food? Like, ha, or just by saying, you know, everything baruch Hashem. Like, how, how is that praise that we say to heal us? And the other question is, what does Hashem need? Hashem doesn't need this praise. For us. That we need it. But what we're our, trying to bring down Hashem, yeah. But but our but us needing it and recognizing it, you saying give us Hashem sustenance. Sustenance to our benefit, as he said. Mm-hmm. We're 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 helping Hashem sort of give us we're helping ourselves by bringing down Hashem into this world and bringing him down through the uh, recognizing, recognizing himself and, and saying thank you Hashem. Himself saying Baruch Hashem, saying thank you Hashem, and saying thank you Hashem for the very mundane things in life, not mm-hmm. to thank Hashem only for big things. Mm-hmm. Thanking for whatever we have. And when we thank for Hashem, we're grateful to Hashem, and we express it, and we say it, that's the way to bring down Hashem to this world.